Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators, everybody. I'm excited to be here today with just Haley's, just the two of us. You've just got the Future Belongs to Creators ladies hanging out with you today. <laughs> we were initially, I think we might have promised you a guest today, talking to Whitney Manny, but unfortunately there's some tornadoes happening in <laughs> KC right now where she is. And uh, we felt like, and she felt like, it might be better for her to deal with them. So we'll have that interview. It's going to be great next week with Whitney, hopefully. But today, Haley and I are going to do one of our things we love to do on this show, which is a article discussion. There's this article on Vox called, I'm a creator, you're a creator, we're all creators. When did everybody start calling themselves content creators? So we're going to discuss that today, share our thoughts and talk about this this naming really of content creator and uh, where it all came from and, and how we feel about it. But uh, first, let's dig into our, our first segment. Have you heard? Haley, what news do you have for us today from around the creator economy? All right. As the designated parent on this podcast, I feel that this is a very important <laughs> have you heard. But Instagram did one of the coolest things that I think they've done. It's like one of the coolest releases that they've done in, I don't know, years, at least in my opinion. They partnered, and I can't exactly remember the exact agency or like what the agency is called, mm -hmm. but they are now releasing Amber Alerts. And Nash, so if there's an Amber Alert, if you know anything, if you're parent or if you have a phone, if there is an Amber Alert and you are within a general region of where that Amber Alert was issued, which is when a child has gone missing, your phone will automatically be notified. The challenge with Amber Alerts though, and the technology that would they use is that it doesn't include a photo. So with Instagram, if you're scrolling on Instagram really at all, the first thing that you're going to see when that Amber Alert comes up is a photo of the lost or missing child, along with maybe additional, some additional information, like if they were taken in a car or what the car looks like or something like that. So it is a, an incredible visual tool that I'm really anxious to see like, how it serves the world. And this is something that they're releasing internationally as well. So I feel like it was a really cool thing that Instagram did. This is not fluffy. This is like to serve just humanity. And I loved it. This is honestly a little unexpected to hear coming from Meta. I don't know. I just feel like they're not really out to help the world in the way that like if Apple was doing it, for example, I would mm. be like, oh, that makes sense. That's a good fit. Mm -hmm. So I'm very pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah. Honestly, I think that giving up essentially the ad space, you know, for a good cause like this, mm -hmm. I love to see it. I love to see it happening. That's a, a good decision on their part, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've ever gotten an Amber Alert on your phone, it's like, boy, five, six, you know, like brown hair, blue eyes, you know, and then you have to actually click into the notification and the notification will take you to the Amber Alert website. So this is a far more functional, like it immediately puts this a photo of somebody who's missing a child in yeah. particular missing, which I just think is freaking awesome. Fucking awesome. I think it's fucking awesome. <laughs> you, you can use the F-bomb on that. I love it. I uh, <laughs> feel like I can't really follow up my news with that because mine is so insignificant and unimportant compared to that. But I'll <laughs> tell you anyway, shall I? <laughs> yes, you shall. So Tuesday, I think it was just yesterday, there was an Apple event, WWDC, where they announced stuff to do with a new operating system. And there's a lot of like stuff that I'm excited about just as someone who is all in on Apple products. But one feature that I think is really going to be useful for creators in particular is um, in Apple like photos now, you're going to be able to essentially highlight 
and select an item in the photo and copy and paste it. They showed an example in the keynote of this picture of a dog and they like just sort of like held, pressed down on the dog and then the dog was cut out of the photo and they pasted it in kind of like an emoji in a text message. What? Yeah, I know. Cool, right? You know, this is kind of like how Adobe, did you see when Adobe did that inverse and they you could actually highlight the subject? Yep. I was like, my mind was like, oh, this is amazing. Funny you mentioned that because how I think this is going to really help creators is something that we're always doing when we're making thumbnails and things is wanting to like select out the object and like make it stand out from the background, etc. And I always find myself having to open Photoshop to have to do that. And I think that maybe is a little bit inaccessible to some people, you know, maybe don't have Photoshop, don't pay for that Adobe subscription, don't have the those skills. There is online services that cut things out of background for you, but they're not great. So I think this could be really helpful for creators to just have this like on their phone, on their iPad to be working on assets to promote their stuff. Wow. I thought you were going to say the MagSafe charger is back. You know, like that was that. It is, <laughs> but I don't know if that's really like important for creators. What are you talking about? That is literally life-changing. The whole USB-C thing, you, I can't even tell you how many times mm-hmm. a MagSafe chart like would have saved my computer because I have little, you know, like little humans that run around and, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, no, uh, and then you like see it from a distance, you know, like this morning I was on a Peloton ride and my daughter stood there and she didn't do it on purpose, but she was just pushing up against it. And she pulled out mid ride, pulled, like unplugged. Pulled out the cord. I was like, damn it. Well, it's a great excuse for you to have to do less exercise today. So, you know, (laughs) no, no. The problem is I said this, uh, in general, we're just getting into some banter early on here, but my dumb best friend is doing this thing it's a long story, but one of the more executive leaders at Nike, she reports to her and she is doing something for, I think her 52nd birthday. And she's donating to a cause that supports gun control following all of the stuff that has been happening recently. And so mm-hmm. my friend is, she just had twins. And so she's for her, for her boss's birthday, she was going to donate X number of dollars. If you were able to run 152 miles in the month of June, well, she just had twins. She can't run. And I hate running. I think it's the worst thing on the planet, <laughs> like just the worst. So the equivalent of that for cycling is 380 miles cycling. So she's going to cycle it instead. And I, for whatever reason, said, you know, I'll do it with you. I'll support you in this. You're a sucker for punishment, Haley. Yeah. So (laughs) I still have to make up the miles. Like, that's my point. I still have to get back on the Peloton. (laughs) Plug it back in. (laughs) Plug it back in. Because it didn't have a MagSafe. Yeah, because it didn't have a MagSafe. All right. Good banter. We can move on. Good banter. Check that box. (laughs) Banter happened in the podcast episode. Let's dive into the article discussion then. Because I think this is an interesting topic and it's some a shift that obviously we noticed at ConvertKit happening. They have an art, uh, like a graphic in the article. Let me pull it up and see if I can call out when it happened. Basically, I'll describe it for people listening. It's the Google search trend data interest over time in the term, how to become a content creator. Hmm. And basically it's like we see one or two little tiny spikes in back in like 2014 or something, but things don't really start to take off until about 2019. And then it's like a steep curve up into 2022 where we are today. Hmm. That Over the past few years, this term creator, content creator in particular has really exploded. You know, something I would really love to see in this particular data is 
the age of the person that is asking that question. Mm. Because later on in the article, they talk a lot about the youth, right? TikTok stars, things like that. The youth, I don't know. (laughs) And specifically, the percentage of teenagers and children who aspire to be influencers, right? Like that's the, they're they're saying, well, that's the job that I want to do. I want to be Mm -hmm. an influencer. So I'd be really curious to know the breakdown of ages for people because also later on we talk a bit, talks a lot about how people in everyday roles like nurses, for example, transition into becoming a content creator, but actually created like a platform based off of being like sharing their experience as a nurse, for example. So yeah, how they tee it up at the beginning of the article, I thought it was really interesting. The comparison they made, um, I'll just read out this part. This is why not comedian or competitive dancer or aspiring actor? Mm -hmm. Didn't that sound more exciting than two of the most meaningless words in existence, content and creative? And I think it's like, honestly, a good point that content creator is such a general term that it really doesn't tell you much about what to expect from what this person is doing and and how they're spending their time other than they are making something. Could be podcast, could be blog, could be Mm -hmm. TikToks, could be Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. Who knows? It kind of encompasses it all. This kind of goes back to this conversation that you and I have had several times is that I think people actually refer, identify themselves as the type of creator that they are. So they'll be like, oh, I'm a podcaster. And then the world or like if they're trying to generalize it, they'll be like, oh, well, I create content or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. But I feel like when I was reading this article, I think it's like a way that we can just generalize everything, everybody that fits into a type of content creation or create some sort of content, right? So I often wonder if it's actually the creator themselves that's calling them a content creator, or if there are certain types of creators that more commonly refer themselves as a content creator, like a tick, like somebody who does purely spends time on TikTok. They do not have Mm -hmm. a podcast. They don't offer courses, so on and so forth, right? Because they monetize differently. Yeah. So content like influencers monetize differently than somebody that is a, a business coach, for example. I think like you've hit on something interesting here and where I have nothing to back this up. It's just my general sense. But what I think it is, is that people who are mainly creating content on social media are more likely to use the term content creator mm-hmm. because influencer, which is like technically what they're doing, right, on, on social, has these negative connotations to it. It's had um, mm. honestly like a lower level of respect maybe put on it, oh, yeah, rightly or wrongly, whereas content creator sounds a little bit more elevated than that. It's like, no, I'm creating content. I'm like, you know, this is my job. I'm creating the content. <laughs> yes. And so I think that they're more drawn to using that term because I personally, I mean, like I am a content creator, I guess, but I hesitate to describe myself in that way. I definitely call myself a creator. I identify very strongly with that part of it. There's something about just saying that I'm creating content that feels like it diminishes what it is I'm making. Mm. And I'm like, is content just like something to be consumed and then thrown away and like passed on and never to be revisited again? Like when I'm making content, what I'm actually hoping I'm creating is an impact on someone on their design career, right? For me specifically. Right. And so that's why I personally feel a hesitation towards attaching that term content creator to myself, Mm. even though the creative side of it, I definitely align with. Mm. Uh, Who knows though? Am I just being snobby? What do you think? (laughs) 
I don't know, Teddy, you're here. I see you in the chat. What do you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself an influencer? Obviously not, because you just said influencers become a dirty word for whatever (laughs) Whatever reason in the comments. But do you refer to yourself as a content creator? Do you refer to yourself as a creator? Yeah, I'd love to hear that from anyone listening in the chat, actually, um, as to how you define yourself and if... If content creator rings rings true for you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're creating content right now, Haley. We are content creators. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is true. Something that I really liked that he said, though, in which is one of the powers, or I think the thing that's really important with social media, as he said, as the article says, I think the more interesting question, though, is when did seemingly everyone in the world become a content creator, whether they signed up mm. for it or not? Yes, and that's something that I think is really important to note because. Unless you have a private Instagram or a private channel, right? Without certainty, like you are influencing someone. Yeah. And you are creating content. And you are creating content. Like you are feeding the social media feeds. Yeah. And it does not, I think that this is important is that there is a sense of responsibility with that. It's like everybody needs to own their own personal responsibility on what they want and how they want to show up in the world and share share themselves with the world. Right. So it could be something as simple as like, you know, let's say for me as a, as a mom, if I put my kids in whatever I choose to post my children on social media mm-hmm. and they have a Nike backpack on, right? Like I am influencing my friends, it, whether I want to be or not, whether I'm intentionally doing it or not, I am endorsing the company Nike. Yeah, And that is obviously a very unsubstantial example, but it's just to point out that no matter what you are doing, you are influencing people around you. So you really, that really has to be something that we as individuals take special care in doing. Yeah. Yeah. This related to that, this line in the article, I really liked said the boundaries between who is or isn't a creator as well as who is or isn't famous Mm -hmm. have become increasingly irrelevant. (laughs) Yes. And I think it's true. Like, It doesn't matter if you personally define yourself as a creator or not. If you're doing these Mm -hmm. things that we're talking about, you know, creating, then you are, Mm -hmm. whether you chose to be or not, like you, like you said. Yeah, I totally agree. Something else that was said, and I know that Miguel isn't here and he doesn't like it when we read sections because he thinks that we lose people. But since Miguel's not here, I'm going to do it anyway, because I thought this was really relevant. So stick around and prove Miguel wrong, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell me if you think that I would be a good, I don't know, voiceover person. All right. Audiobook reader? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is something that relates. I want to talk about this or transition into this, because this is something that we have talked about a lot, especially as it relates to burnout. Here is mm-hmm. an excerpt from this article. This is the central tension of making your own digital self-performance and the industry around you it your job. Everyone wants the job because it's creative, freeing, not a nine to five. But ever since going full-time as a content creator, I realized I traded my nine to five to work 24-7 instead, Mm. explained Joshua Holmes, a TikToker with one and a half million followers. He said that in a recent video. Not a second goes by that I'm not thinking about creating content. I don't watch sunsets or have genuine moments with my friends being like, can we do that again? I wasn't recording. He said that being a content creator for Mm. most people doesn't become profitable for a year and a half, if that. Every day I ask myself, did I really choose freedom or just a fancier cage? But at the same time, isn't the fancier cage better than a regular one? Yeah, probably. Mm. And I really loved that 
because I think that it's something that people need to talk about. Charlie, you've talked about this a lot at your personal life with ConvertKit, but setting these boundaries and, um, you know, people, I can't remember the exact creator, but, um, it's, there is a URL or somebody that uses, I think it's called like quit the nine to five or nine to five is actually in their, their business name. And I think that this is just a really important call out is that as these high schoolers or, you know, youth teenagers and children aspire to this, yeah. yeah, aspire to this, that there has to be like healthy amounts of boundaries in this profession or else it's not going to be good for society as a whole and our mental health. Yeah. And they go into that as well, saying that, that like, there's a lot of FOMO around content creation mm. because it seems so easy to do. And like, it is so easy really to be a creator. We have the tools on us right now. You probably have it in your pocket that you can yeah. make an Instagram post, film a TikTok and get it up there. If you choose to, it is easy. There's a low barrier to entry. But it's also really difficult to make money from. So we feel FOMO because we're like doing the same things that these fancy content creators are who are earning the millions and we're not receiving the same rewards for it. The article ends by saying like, isn't it more elegant after all to call yourself a creator as opposed to a part-time barista, part-time Uber (laughs) driver, part-time influencer, even if the latter might be more accurate. And I thought, yeah, that's probably where it comes from is that creator unlike influencer, I think, is a term that has a lot of respect put on it. Mm-hmm. And so aligning yourself with that is a great way to like, I don't know, I think it's good to aspire to. You can feel good about yourself and what you're doing as well. I totally agree. Well, this, I really enjoyed this article for a lot of reasons, because I think that it highlights both the beauty in content creation. And it talks a lot about mm-hmm. the, just the industry as well, but it also like is, gives like a little bit of a warning, right? And it, 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 mm. it effectively kind of highlights both the positives and the negatives of it. And so I really liked this article a lot. I'm curious for everybody else, make sure that you leave comments if there was something that particularly stuck out to you that you really liked as well. There was one part of it that um, I wrote in my notes, what it means for us Mm. (laughs) that made me think about ConvertKit. Because obviously we first called ourselves a platform for bloggers, but like Mm -hmm. bloggers are creators too. So we have been for creators since the very beginning, since the inception of our company, since Nathan first had the idea to build the tool and all that. But I'll just read this piece from the article. It says, the words vagueness, speaking about like creator in general, Mm -hmm. has allowed countless startups to blossom around serving the millions of people who make up the industry. And creator first platforms seem to sprout up near daily. At least a dozen mobile financial services market themselves as explicitly for creators, for example. And this is something that like we market ourselves as being for creators made by a team of creators. Mm -hmm. And I have kind of felt like that message has felt weakened recently because of how many other tools out there are saying that. And I am not convinced that that many other tools are actually for creators or by creators. Uh, I think that it is still something that we have that is very, very special is that at our heart, like leading our company is a creator. Like first and foremost, Nathan is a creator. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about the reason why, why he launched ConvertKit in gen, like in the first place was because he was a creator that was using a service that did not meet the needs of Mm -hmm. him as a specific creator. And at that time, what year was that? 2000. No idea. We should know that. We should definitely know that. I'm going to pull ourselves out. <laughs> yeah. 
I know it was before 2016 because that's when I joined the company. Uh, Nathan, I hope you are not listening to this right now. Anyways, he started the company then because, and at the time, the creator economy wasn't a thing, Mm -hmm. right? He was truly a creator that was saying, I personally have this problem as a content creator, as a creator, as a blogger. And at the time, the word creator didn't really didn't really exist in the same way that it does today when you think about the creator economy. So I I agree with that, meaning that I agree with that at our heart, we've always been a company that is for creators because we understand the exact problems versus it being an opportunity to serve an industry, Mm -hmm. right? And that is where I think that the creator economy right now is, is that there are so many people that are jumping in to- To take advantage. To take advantage of it. And not truly understanding the problems that creators have. Yeah, totally. I agree on that. This is another bit that I highlighted that I really wanted to bring up. It says that creators are less judged on their talent or passion mm. and more on how good they are at being themselves. Essentially, they're one-person media empires, whatever that medium may be, which mm. I thought was really interesting. And like it's because you just said about understanding creators and their problems, truly. Mm-hmm. Creators run businesses, right? Like you build a business around yourself, around your content. But at the end of the day, we're different from other SMBs because really what we are doing is being paid to be ourselves and share our knowledge. And that is very unique in the in the terms of like business in general, isn't it? Yeah, I know it totally is. I think that, yeah, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Actually, what happened was, is Erica in the chat had said right after you said, I, I saw this too. I also laughed at this. Let's bring it up on screen. Yeah. She said right after you stick around, my phone died, LOL. And in my mind, all I was thinking about while you were making your last comment was Erica's phone dying. So I literally lost Again, it yeah. all. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, friends. It's not a good day for me to retain information. Hopefully we did have people sticking around with all the article reading that we've been doing. And don't apologize, Erica. We always love seeing people <laughs> leaving notes in the chat throughout our recordings. Yeah, it's very fun to engage people as well. I love it. Yeah, it's like, honestly, one of the best parts of being a creator is that that one-to-one engagement, right? Yeah. Maybe we should end by talking about this last piece, which is about calling back to something you said at the beginning, Haley, the nurse, as an example, who built a platform around creating. Oh, yeah. We're seeing a lot of that happen, but I think we're also seeing this need for content creation skills in general to become a part of other jobs. There was this one quote from Lee Jin, who is a very prolific like writer and uh, like mm-hmm. investor in the creator economy, says, no matter which industry you're in, people are all going to be creators. All of us will have to adopt some of the skill sets and behaviors of creators in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Does this ring true for you? 100%. I feel like people to advance their careers, let's say, for example, um, let's use LinkedIn as an example. Sure. Why? Curious where we're going. <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. I feel like let's say that you work for a company, you work for a corporate yep. company, right? And you kind of, you you do not, let's say, subscribe to like, you're not a content creator or you don't do that professionally for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not out there trying actively to build an audience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For many people that are in that space, where they actually gain influence as a as somebody who is 
in kind of the corporate world is on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. which requires them to act almost the same way they would on Twitter, right? They're being thought leaders, essentially. When you're a thought leader, I think that thought leaders are all creators. And so these kind of corporate folks, you know, you could even classify like myself in there, you know, for example, meaning that like, I don't have like a side hustle right now project that I work on exclusively. My big full-time job is working at ConvertKit. And in order for me to, let's say like, I, so like I said, I, I, I kind of fit in that mold as well, but all of these folks, even the most um, successful people at very large corporations at Nike, at Adobe, at insert other companies, your friends work at yeah. <laughs> other companies. Well, apparently, like I said, I'm brain fog today. You know, it's real. But my point is, is that they're using their influence at these large companies to gain a bigger audience and to therefore become thought leaders. And so you know, Nathan is a thought leader and that themselves, the thought leader is a creator. It requires them to create content as a thought leader. It requires them to write posts. And you see a lot of people expanding on LinkedIn, their network of people that will help them in their corporate career, even if they do not associate or like, you know, draw an income from that. And so I totally agree. I think that writing is one of those skills, Mm -hmm. right? Writing is a skill that every single person, if you want to extend your career or expand your career. Writing is one of those things that will really help elevate you. And that can be exercised in a LinkedIn post that can be exercised in a Twitter thread that can be exercised in having a blog that can be exercised. And I think one of the reasons for that is, and actually this kind of goes back to my very early comment about my friend's boss. And she wrote this blog post about why she's doing this challenge. She says, I have influence, but I've not exercised Mm -hmm. it to my full capacity. I've not exercised it enough. And I have a voice. And she was saying like, there's several ways that I can use my voice and I'm going to I'm going to be better at doing that. And this was her first step in doing that. And she is not a content creator. She is a VP executive at Nike. That is her job. And so I don't know. Did I get there? Did I close it? You did. Okay. And you know what you also did is that you tied in the random banter tangent we went off at the beginning. (laughs) Yes, I did. Into the main point. So well done, Haley. Great job. I also think though, just to add on that it's not only external facing content that can help you in your role you know, in whatever career and probably more like a career involving sitting on your computer for eight hours a day is what I'm talking about here. But there's a lot of internal content you can create within your company to like build your own influence in your role in the company and take on things that creators do to like progress in the job you're in, not necessarily be putting it out there for like publicly Mm -hmm. for the next one as well. Writing, as you caught out as an example, super important for us to convert it as a remote company for writing to be a strong skill that everybody has to communicate asynchronously. But yeah, there's lots of ways that we can influence within our company and within our roles. Yeah. Um, We can learn from creators from that. Yeah. Something else um, I'll share really quickly is that this is something obviously that's happening. I now have mentioned uh, youth and children or teenagers and children too many times on this podcast, but... You're just feeling your role as the parent. In an effort to beat a dead horse. (laughs) I'll talk about cats more later. (laughs) (laughs) I have 
three girls. My oldest two are seven and 10. And we have a flower business, a side hustle that they, Mm. that I help them with. And we grow cut flowers in our backyard, very florette farms type thing. This summer, I bought them super cute. I bought them two bikes that have like these really cool, you know, like baskets in the back so they can actually load up and go and sell. And this is how they make their money for Christmas gifts and all the things and, you know, stuff that they want. They typically are, go, they ride around the neighborhood on their bikes and knock on doors. When I was a kid, I did that with mistletoe. I used to collect mistletoe with tie ribbons on it. That's how I made my Christmas money. I would sell mistletoe in front of Vons for $2 or walk around. I got in trouble a lot of times for leaving and not telling my parents I was going. Did you have to go to work? But I was making <laughs> money. I, I carried them in a wagon, a yellow wagon, in case anyone is wondering. All that said, my daughter's 10 years old and I'm going to, I don't love the idea of her getting on social media right now, but I do believe that social media, specifically Instagram right now is a key, key skill that you need to be able to exercise in order to grow your business. Mm. And so that's a skill that her selling like a direct to consumer product, right? Flower baskets, like she's going to, they're going to create their own little Instagram channel or Instagram page this year. We think we're calling it something like family of flowers. Cause my mom's involved as well, you know, things like that. And then we're going to post where we're at. You know, if we go to, instead of like driving around the neighborhoods, we're going to post like, we're going to be at this corner from, you know, noon to two kind of thing. And that right there is content creation that takes, you know, the skill that she has to create and selling. And And so those skills, like you said, Charlie, are something that every person, if they're going to be an entrepreneur themselves, if they're going to start a, you know, a direct to consumer business, you have to be able to have the skills of talking to people. You have to be able to write, you have to be able to take photography you know, take photos and be kind of generally skilled at that. You have to learn like what's aesthetically pleasing in order for you to be successful. And without that, which is really marketing, then your business won't even flourish. Mm. Those are the skills that content creators are really, really, really exceptional at. They're really exceptional at like showing their business and the marketing component and being themselves. And everybody loves to go into a shop where the owner is like, Hey, how's it going? Welcoming. And so I guess to your point, I just wanted to close out with just saying that these are skills that everybody needs. Yeah. And content creators specifically like have really paved the way for launching those. I'm feeling now like I put too much shade on the content creator term at the start of this episode (laughs) when I was talking about how I don't identify it. And I think that I might be being too snobby about that. I think I'm going to call myself out on that Mm. because it's really just like influencer how I'm feeling about content creator. I'm like, oh, it doesn't really communicate the value, but like mm-hmm. we put the meaning in in the term, right? And in the name. And so you're right. Creating content in and of itself is a valuable skill. Yeah. And uh, let's not put shade on that. Also, I am just dreaming of one day having your daughter on the podcast to talk about running her Instagram page because I think that would oh, be- Oh my gosh. So cute. <laughs> we should totally do that. That would be so entertaining. She is honestly like, I am really making her do the work this year. I did a lot of the work last year as far as like even growing the flowers. She's going all in this year. Like I'm, you know, she's also learned photography. She like 
fully knows the triangle, she can like, she's like, oh, I think the ISO might be too high, mom. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, hell yes, girl, you, <laughs> you keep doing that. That's awesome. Okay. So future episode, let's expect to see her on, on the show someday. Yes. Any closing thoughts, Haley? Or should we move on and tell people what to expect next week? I don't have closing thoughts. I've bantered enough on this episode. I loved the article. It's great. If you didn't watch it, we'll include it obviously in the show or list, read it. Yep. We'll include it in the show notes. <laughs> Add any comments if you have them on things that stuck out to you. Definitely. We're always keen to hear your thoughts, even if they're not coming in live in the chat um, during the meantime. So next week, we hope that there will be no tornadoes in Casey and we will get to interview the wonderful Whitney Manny. She is a fashion designer, a textile artist, and we're going to be talking to her about building a successful creative career when you don't live in a main creative hub and about all the opportunities she's had from embracing this like idea of local. I can learn from this one. Yes, you can. As much as you love Boise and like to shout out about it, this is one thing you can accept, <laughs> that it's not a creative. Yes, I can accept that. In fact, Henry and I joke about this all the time because while we would be out filming creator sessions, somebody would always inevitably say, or Henry would be like, hey, so where, where are you playing next? You know, and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to be in New York, you know, or I'm playing in Brooklyn, da, da, da. And Henry's like, oh, sweet. I live there. Like, we'll get together and hang out, you know? And I'm like, what about... Boise. <laughs> That's not on the tour list. Oh, well, all right. All right. Okay. Thanks for that. Well, I'm there in case you want to go. There's a, you know, we've got a cool bunch of people. There's one fan. <laughs> we will hear from Whitney about that and she'll give some advice for creators who yes. also don't live in main creative hubs. And it's going to be a great episode. So we hope you'll tune in at uh, 1230 Eastern Time live here on our YouTube channel next week. All right. Good chat, Haley. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.